Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennium Money Professional. My name is Dev Raga, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we'll go through the various types of economic recoveries there are and have been in the past. And I'll go through some various examples from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and also uh, most recently, the COVID-19 pandemic. And let's face it, right, 2022 has been a relatively tough year for investors, for people trying to earn an income, for people, you know, cost of living has risen significantly around the world, including Australia. Uh, Inflation has gone up. So it's been a pretty tough year. And there's been a lot of talk uh, in the global economy about the struggling nature of 2023. I mean, a lot of people are just predicting Um, doom and gloom for 2023. Things are going to be a little bit tougher for this year. A lot of people are predicting a recession globally, particularly in the United States. And as a result, whatever happens in the US often tends to spill beyond its borders. You know, and recently, uh, just a couple of episodes ago, I had a discussion about the concept of recessions and depressions, some of the causes and how you can protect yourself from a personal finance and investing point of view. So I think it's reasonable now that eventually I'm a very optimistic person. I think overall, over the long term, humanity will do well. I think we will solve problems and global economies will recover. So it's probably worthwhile uh, learning and dwelling into the types of economic recoveries there are and try and use some examples from the past. Let's get started. Now, if you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims, education, empowerment and entertainment. Today, we're going to be talking about economic recoveries because in 2023, a lot of people are predicting recessions. So from a recession, there has to be a rebound. There has to be an economic recovery. So what is an economic recovery? Now, usually following a recession, like I said, if you refer to my previous episodes where I discussed the concept of recessions and depressions, there is an economic recovery. And during an economic recovery, there are multiple things that happen. Number one is the GDP improves. The gross domestic product of a country improves. The incomes of people rise. That's number two. Number three is unemployment falls more and more as the total economy rebounds. Those are the three main things that happens. And usually during a recession, central banks and governments, they work together. They institute new economic policies and guidelines in the hope that it spurs business growth and they try and stimulate and expand the economy. And that leads to that recovery. And the economy then adapts to new situations. And that is that people have lost their jobs as a result of the recession and depression, uh, move into new industries and get new jobs and the cycle starts again. And 
if you want to go into a little bit more deeper into this phenomenon, during recessions, many businesses fail and they go out of business. And some of the businesses have had to cut their staff and services. And some of them, as a result of that, are able to survive the recession. And some of those owners are forced to liquidate some of their assets and the workers get laid off. The capital assets that get liquidated from those businesses, but the businesses overall survive, changes hands. So that goes from the failed business to another business. And sometimes those assets are then repurposed and new businesses start utilising these capital assets. And this spurs more employment. And this is the start of a new economic recovery. Now, almost always, businesses need to be more innovative during this time. And they utilise new technologies and make their businesses more efficient because they've learnt a lesson as a result. And essentially, this is very similar when you think about it for all you medical geeks out there, of how the body structures and regenerates new cells. It breaks down old cells. It gets rid of dead tissue. It allows the healing process to happen. And that enables the human body to maintain itself. So when you think about how a economy cleanses itself, it's very similar um, to a biological principles that we learn in medicine and nursing. So what are the indicators of an economic recovery? Now, there are three main indicators. Number one is the stock market. Now, remember, the stock market is forward projecting. So before a full economic recovery, you may see the markets rise. And this is called a leading indicator. The second thing is employment. This is often lagging. At the start and the middle of the economic recovery, unemployment is actually still quite high and doesn't dramatically drop until the recovery is well and truly in full swing. And that's why the employment indicator is called a lagging indicator. And the third thing is the gross domestic product. And this is called the key indicator. It's more of a live experience of the situation. And if the GDP is expanding in consecutive quarters, it's a very good indicator of a economic in recovery that's happening live. So how do then fiscal and monetary policies relate to these theories of economic recovery? So what is fiscal policy, right? This is when governments, they raise money via taxation and then they spend more money to help stimulate the economy. And number two is monetary policy. This is when central banks make money cheaper and lowering interest rates, which spurs more business activity because businesses can borrow more money at a cheaper price. And therefore, that leads to an economic expansion and more jobs because the idea is when businesses have access to cheap money, they're going to borrow more money, spend it on their business, hire more workers, increase their productivity, increase their profits, and therefore that's how you stimulate the businesses. And of course, if millions of businesses are doing the same thing, that means that constitutes the economy and therefore an economic expansion is in motion. Now, to prevent a recession, governments and central banks may pull these levers or to recover from a recession. And to prevent a recession or even to have a soft landing of a recession, um, if you think about what happened during 2020 COVID, interest rates were lowered even more in Australia and globally, and government spent so much money globally, everyone, including me, got literally free money because that's basically stimulating the economy as much as possible or trying to create a very soft landing as a result of a global pandemic, which was you know, going to cause catastrophic health and wealth concerns across the globe and did do that. Now, the problems here is what happens when you try and do these things as a government to try and you know, prevent you know, a hard landing and all that sort of stuff is that it ironically helps a lot of businesses, which were going to fail anyway. And this means that those businesses are artificially 
being propped up. And therefore, that means they fail later and not immediately. And again, which means, ironically, we are delaying the inevitable and also means delaying the economic recovery. It delays the process of reallocation of capital assets. It delays the process of reallocation of other resources. It delays the process of reallocation of labour workforce. It also, ironically, encourages businesses to continue to waste resources potentially because they think it's the right thing to do. Because remember, they don't know that they're going to fail because they just thought they're going to fail because of, you know, one in a million circumstances, but actually their business models weren't recession proof. So the business model was rubbish. And and, and as a result of it, you know, the government is stimulating with, you know, fiscal policy and monetary policy, but the businesses were always going to fail anyway. So it kind of encourages businesses not to be careful with their business models. So there are some pros and cons of economic stimulation that's going to lead to recovery. One of the cons is you're potentially enabling some of these businesses and delaying the inevitable. Now, we're going to take a quick break. That's sort of economic recoveries. Before the break, here's a quiz. Which country has the longest streak of economic recovery in the world at around 29 years? I'll give you the answer after the break. I'm sure a lot of you know the answer anyway. Be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. So, which country has the longest streak of economic recovery in the world at 29 years? Most of you are living in it, Australia. Look, a lot of people locally over the last 29, 30 years haven't really seen a real recession, uh, which is quite remarkable. I mean, COVID, yeah, look, it was, it was a bit of a recession, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't sort of organic. This was sort of an external shock, one in a century event. So, I suppose it counts, but it kind of doesn't count. But really, we've been very, very fortunate. So, you know, if you're, you know, between the ages of 20 and 30 in this country, you've had a phenomenal run. I should say 20 and 40. uh, You've had a phenomenal run in terms of economic activity. Now, in terms of recovery, there are various shapes. And economists describe recoveries in literally shapes of the graphs that the recovery happen. And in my sort of basic understanding, there are five shapes to know. V, U, W, K, 
and L. I call them shapes because when you look at the graph, they kind of look like these letters, um, but they're basically, you know, labelled as letters. Technically, though, these are not official terms. Uh, as far as my research goes, they're unofficial terms and there aren't any official terms for economic recoveries. And in these graphs, the x-axis is the time frame, and the y-axis is the GDP output of an economy. So let's look at each of these and provide some examples of how potential economic recoveries uh, do happen and provide some examples. A V-shaped recovery is probably, you know, the best one that you want to have. This is when the economy experiences a very sharp decline in activity. And this happens quite quickly over a very short period of time. And then some of the recovery happens also within a very short period of time. And, you know, one of the most classic reasons for this is seasonal downturns. So the V-shaped recovery is your classic recovery uh, graph. And it's probably the best one that you want to have because it, it has the minimal consequences, although the effects are quite sharp, but it's only for for a very, very short time. So let's use an example of a V-shaped recovery. Has it ever happened in the past? And the answer is yes. In 1920, the US economy entered a steep decline in economic output. And this is what actually happened. World War I meant the government entered into monetary policy to increase productivity and make money cheaper. The war then lasted between 1914 and 1918. And when the war ended, they had 1.5 million soldiers they had to come back to the United States and they had to find work. Ammunition production and everything associated with the war, um, you know, started to wind down because the war had ended. And with more people in the economy than ever before and businesses also winding down, it meant unemployment rose to 12% because these soldiers came back and they kind of didn't get any jobs and they didn't have much to do. And therefore that caused a recession and the Dow Jones dropped 47%. Ironically, during the worst time, the Fed then decided to interest rate increase, which made the whole situation worse. So they did something completely opposite to what potentially they should have done or could have done or would have happened in the 21st century. And by 1921, the rates went down again. And by 1923, the economy started to rebound again. And between 1921 and 1929, unemployment dropped to 2.4%. And the GDP expanded every year by 4.2%. That was subsequently called the Roaring Twenties, because remember after that, we had the Great Depression. So a V-shaped recovery, again, is the best type of recovery. Maybe someday, COVID-2020, maybe is a V-shaped recovery, maybe not. Now, the second type of recovery is a U-shaped recovery. This is when there's a sharp decline in economic activity, but the rebound is much, much slower. It's more of a slow upslant and therefore kind of looks like the letter U. Now, the recession itself may not be that bad or severe, but it's a slow drag. So let's use an example to highlight this type of recovery, the U-shaped recovery. It was in the 70s called Nixonomics. In 1973, the oil embargo created a supply shock, and this resulted in the 74-75 stock market crash. Now, I've discussed the various things Nixon did in previous episodes, which kind of made things a lot worse, although he thought he was improving the situation, but he was actually making it a lot worse. And this led to stagflation. Uh, and I have discussed about the concept of stagflation, which a lot of people were worried about in 2022, which kind of never really eventuated. Um, so you might want to refer to episode 248, where I discuss about stagflation in more detail. Eventually, the economy started to rebound in the second to fourth quarter of 1975. So that's the U-shaped recovery. 
the W-shaped recovery. Now, this is often called a double-dip recession. This is when the economy suffers, so there's a steep decline, and there's a brief rally and recovery, but it never really gets to the, you know, the top of the first line, and then it dips again. And the initial recovery is often mistaken for a V-shaped recovery. And this is not a great thing for consumers or investors because it gives a glimmer of hope and it shatters the investor's confidence. Now, the other famous name for this, uh, as we all discussed, is the double dip recession. It's called a W-shaped recovery. You might have heard uh, pundits talk about it in the media. Now, I've got a couple of examples of a double dip recession. Uh, let's discuss the US example first, 1980s. Between January and July 1980, America experienced a very sharp decline in economic activity, about 8% per month decline. That's significant. In early 1981, the economy miraculously expanded again, 8% per month for another three to four months. And of course, this resulted in inflation. And the famous Paul Volcker, who was a Fed chairman at the time, he raised rates. And this pushed down the economy and he raised rates as monetary policy was used to slow down the inflation, kind of like what most central banks are doing in 2022 and possibly in 2023. And this resulted in another recession from July 1981 to November 1982. A more modern example of a W-shaped recovery is in 2020. Basically, India's economy took a big tumble, which wasn't unusual, uh, as did most global markets and economies due to the COVID-19 crisis. But India managed it reasonably well. They were actually commended globally for managing the initial phase reasonably well. And towards late 2020, their economy tended to improve. But the devastating second wave in early 2021 of COVID crushed the economy again. And this eroded any progress made in 2020 from an economic standpoint, and it just absolutely crushed consumer confidence. And people believed that after the first recovery, that it was a solid V-shaped and got trapped and started investing again, only to lose more money during the second recession in two years. Now, the other shape is the L-shaped recovery. This is probably the worst form of recession and recovery shape that you can ever get because there's a sharp decline in economic output and the long arm of the L slides slowly upwards. The recovery period is quite a long time. So this is often dubbed a depression. And often this takes a very long time to recover from, often years and years and years. And some economists you know, label the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, the GFC 1.0, as an L-shaped recovery. But the recession recovery technically only lasted two and a half years. But if they use some of the other economic measures, uh, you could drag it out that the economic recovery took about six years from the GFC 1.0. Now, Ben Bernanke at the time gave the following reasons for the L-shaped recovery uh, after the GFC one. He said, number one, the housing sector didn't rebound. And number two, there was a lot of lack of credit. So people couldn't borrow money easily. Banks were folding and were staying afloat by the skin of their teeth and were keen to reduce their debts on the balance sheet so they weren't happy to lend out more money. And number three, fiscal support from the government was lacking. Yes, they wanted more money from the government. If I remember right, um, I think at the time the US government bailed out big banks uh, to the tune of over a trillion Australian dollars. So I think Mr. Bernanke there is, um, you know, probably getting a little bit greedy there because, you know, at the end of the day, it was the banks that lend money to people that couldn't afford to pay them back. And they knew that they couldn't pay them back. And they took out insurance policies against that. 
Now, probably the most famous non-US L-shaped recovery that we know of uh, that's happening or happened was the lost decade of Japan. Let's look at what happened there. Japan had a phenomenal 1980s. It had the highest GDP per capita in the world and things were absolutely sweet. And the Bank of Japan got worried, so they raised interest rates because obviously they got worried everything was too good, inflation was a problem, and they felt the economy was overheating and headed for the great asset price bubble. This resulted in credit becoming more expensive because interest rates go up. Credit becomes expensive, businesses didn't borrow much, and the economy didn't expand much. And between 1991 and 2003, Japan's GDP only grew 1.11% per annum. In response, the Japanese government then spent trillions of yen, and also the Bank of Japan reduced the interest rates to 0%. The Bank of Japan is the, you know, similar to RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia. But unfortunately, none of that helped the economy. Their recession lasted just over a decade. And the last type of recovery shape is the K-shaped recovery. Now, this is a relatively new type of recovery shape. um, And we actually saw this in the COVID-19 pandemic and the post-pandemic era. Now, usually in these sort of shapes or this sort of recovery, there is an initial sharp decline. Then over a period of time, some segments of the economy recover, but other segments don't. And if you look at this graph, you may see a K-shape because you know, as the economy plummets down, some segments of the economy go up again. So the graph kind of goes up, but other segments of the economy don't go up. They stay down. Uh, If you have a look at this, you know, to me, it doesn't really look like a K, but I think to make it easier, they've just called it a K-shaped recovery. And when you think about the pandemic in 2020, think about online businesses, online retailers, the tech sector, they thrived. Because retail, physical sectors, travel, holiday sectors, they sunk. So some segments of the economy did really well and other segments of the economy did really poorly. And that's because of lockdowns and travel restrictions and mask wearing and all that sort of stuff. Now, this is also true for sections of the community during 2020 and during COVID-19. And this is across the board, not just in Australia. The lower socioeconomic individuals often didn't recover as quickly as higher socioeconomic individuals, because the higher socioeconomic individuals can withstand the pressures and often expand their net worth during some of the toughest economic conditions placed on humanity. And this literally happened in 2020 and beyond. There are people in 2020, despite everything going haywire around the world, got wealthier. And there are some people who had to do with abject poverty. So which one of these recoveries is most common? In my set of limited research, V-shaped and U-shaped seems to be the most common types of recoveries. And economies go in cycles because these type of recoveries, they present the most common set of circumstances during a recession and economic recovery period. And the situation can be reproduced and it goes in cycles over and over and over. But the letters don't always tell you the whole story. For example, what would you prefer? a V-shaped recovery of 5% GDP loss and recovery or a U-shaped recovery with 1% GDP loss and recovery? Because most people would prefer the latter as it has the least amount of damage. So before I finish up, what are some of the indicators you may like to pay attention to uh, when it comes to, you know, watching the news or you really interested in um, economic policy and you want to know what's going to happen in 2023, etc.? Well, you've got to pay attention to the GDP, number one. Number two is unemployment. Number three is inflation. Number four is consumer spending. Number five is consumer sentiment, which is also linked to consumer spending. 
Number six is uh, bank lending. And number seven is shipping activity. If you pay attention to those sort of factors and parameters, maybe you get a bit of an overall picture about what you think might happen in terms of recessions and recoveries. What do I do? I turn off the TV. I don't watch TV news anymore. I don't watch financial news anymore. Uh, Not on a regular basis anyway. I don't read financial news anymore on a regular basis. Because I think all of that is just noise. I feel that we will be better off in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's me. I'm optimistic because that's kind of what humans do. When you think about what we do on a daily basis, we try and solve problems. We try and do things better to improve our lives. We try not to do things badly for other people on purpose. Yes, there are criminals out there and bad people out there that do bad things all the time, but the majority of humans, I think, are good people. Now, that's about it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using. I'll leave a five-star review on all of the platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast. So please keep them coming. My name's Dev Raga, and this is My Millennium Money Professional. Until next time, please make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.